Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Alicia Butler-Pierre. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Oh, that was perfect. That was perfect. Good. Good. I always like to win with that one. And Alicia is two things, really. Uh, One, she's in Atlanta. And we were talking just before the recording started about our connections with Atlanta and people we know from, from Atlanta. But also, Alicia is on a quest. And she's on a quest to revolutionize the way that small businesses operate. And she does that by speaking, coaching, writing, lecturing, and podcasting, which always makes me slightly nervous when I have a fellow podcaster on a podcast. She is the (laughs) founder and CEO of Equilibria Inc. and the best-selling author of Behind the Facade, the world's first published book on business infrastructure. So we're in good company here, listeners. She hosts the weekly business infrastructure podcast. So check that out, which ranks in the world's top 2%. She's an adjunct instructor of advanced lean principles at Purdue University. Hopefully I pronounced that right. And Mm -hmm. operations management at Nicole's College. Um, This is really interesting. Listen, a chemical engineer turned (laughs) entrepreneur. That's quite a shift, isn't it? Uh, and she's advised and designed and optimized processes for organizations, including Coca-Cola, Shell Oil, which actually uh, is interesting because I was there this morning at a Shell garage filling up with electric. Mm. Oh, wow. So they're very big on oh. having filling stations for electric vehicles here in the UK, okay. as well as around the world. Uh, the Library of Congress and the Home Depot as well. So great to have you on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. I'm really honored to be here with you. And I love the the way you mentioned in the introduction, a quest. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the talks about what we drink, I've got to ask why. Why are you on a quest? There's got to be a backstory somewhere that we can share with the listeners <laughs> behind that. That sounds intriguing. There indeed is a story behind the quest. Um, And I think it starts with what you mentioned about me having my former life as a chemical engineer. And what I noticed, Simon, is that once I stepped out of traditional engineering outside of being in a chemical plant or a refinery, I was very naive to how businesses and I won't say all businesses, but but how many businesses function. I just assumed everything was always very organized, structured. Mm-hmm. There were processes and systems, operations manuals. In other words, there were guides, documented documentation for how to do the work. Yeah. And once I started going into environments outside of engineering, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this, it's it, it just it was very eye-opening. Shocking, and so it? I, yes, it's very shocking. It really is. It is. And sometimes these very large companies, 
And we would think, oh, they're large. They're too big to fail. They must have all of their ducks in a row. Everything is buttoned up. All of the I's are dotted. All of the T's are crossed. And then you start digging into those back office operations and it's a scary mess. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's why I use the word quest because So many business people, and I don't know if you find this to be true with, you know, your experiences as a business coach, but so many small businesses, they don't even understand the importance of looking at those day-to-day operations Mm. because they're too distracted by the marketing and sales-related activities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's interesting because I, when I started my own construction business, you know, back in the mid-90s. I always knew that I wanted to be different to other construction companies. And I didn't want a business that was just going to dissolve when I decided to retire, which happens to many construction businesses, particularly here in the UK. So I always knew I wanted to sell it. And my first ever business coach gave me a book by John Warrillow, Built to Sell. Oh, yes, I have yeah. that book. Yeah, and that, was, I have that and he book. said, everything you do, document how you do it so we had a a how-to sheet on how to answer the phone everything in our business and it was it wasn't just to make us efficient that came as an after effect but for me it was about building a business that had a value that I could sell it because somebody else would want it because they could replicate what I had done yes and I never understood how much of a difference that would make to the value but you're absolutely right yeah, other people would say, how come you just, it's going like clockwork. How come you're, you're only working two days a week and you've got three or four businesses? Because they all ran on that kind of documentation. And it doesn't have to be for the big businesses. I did it when I employed two or three people. You know, massive difference. That is, that is such a great testimonial to the power of tra- documentation because it leads to that transparency. Yeah. And to your point, that's how you're truly able to walk away and, and be able to work on the business and not in the business. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm great that I've met a fellow person on a quest. So that's, <laughs> that's great. Quest, mission, I'm all with that. So you mentioned before we started recording, obviously, uh, you're not a coffee drinker. Um, you're quite unique because you're not a tea drinker neither. So most of us here are either one or the other. But tell us a little bit about what you do drink and how you get your caffeine fix as well. So what's your favorite sort of drink and and how do you get your caffeine fix? My favorite drink, Simon, and I never thought I would become one of those people. But um, Starbucks is my has become uh, a very recent addiction since COVID. And my favorite drink is and it's something I order way too often. Uh, throughout the week is a grande hot chocolate with almond milk and no whipped cream with cinnamon powder steamed in. Oh, <laughs> cinnamon powder steamed in. So I didn't yes. even know that was an option at Starbucks. That is an option, yes. Oh, and wow. it's, it's fabulous, yes. Yeah, I must admit, my, my wife's not a coffee drinker at all, and she loves, she does drink a mocha occasionally. But mm-hmm. she loves their hot chocolates, particularly at Christmas, because they have some really festive styles of hot chocolate as well, don't they? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and venti. I mean, that is full on, isn't it? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a high dose of hot chocolate. Oh, there, oh yes. It? Yes, it is. 
<laughs> yes. Um, and and the way it, the way it came about, honestly. So I used to refer to my local neighborhood Starbucks as my satellite office, mm-hmm. and I would go there on Monday mornings at about six o'clock in the morning, and I would stay there right until about noon. I would get so much work done, Simon. And I think it was because I had a change of scenery. And once COVID happened, obviously I couldn't, you know, we could no longer go inside. And it was, it was, I didn't realize just how important that was to my weekly routine, just being able to have that change of environment, even if it was just for five or six hours throughout an entire week. And so I just started going through the drive-thru and I would literally sit in my car in the parking lot and I would, I'd put on a podcast, yeah, I'd listen right. to a podcast and I'd, I'd drink my, my hot chocolate yeah. and it, it just became a, an addiction. <laughs> yeah. and, and I know listeners, you were probably thinking that, you know, I introduced Alicia as not being a coffee drinker and then she mentioned Starbucks. So you're thinking, what? I you know. know. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there are so many different things, even some of the cold ice drinks, et cetera. And of course, other um, outlets are available as, as well. But one of my favorites this sort of Christmas was the, uh, they, they did a dark orange hot chocolate. Oh, and it, wow. was a, it was a dark orange flavored oat milk in a hot chocolate. So it wasn't oh, a, wow. a sort of syrup that got added to it. It was the flavored milk, this dark chocolate flavored oat milk that then got added into the hot chocolate. Mm. Uh, and that was, oh, but I, I, I wouldn't have been to have a venti because it was just, it would have been a little <laughs> bit too sickly because it was, it was quite sweet to say the least. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think you see, a lot of people working from Starbucks and, and other other places mm-hmm. like that, because it is sometimes that place where you just need to get away from the distractions, have that focus and be able to work with That's complete a, attention yes. to what it is that you've got to do. That's right. You don't have the distractions. No. And you can just you're there and you can just focus. Yeah. And you can people watch as well, can't you? That's, that's, that's always, that's the <laughs> best part is to people watch. And then the music, yeah, they yeah. play really good music too. Yeah, I, I went to Starbucks the other day and it's the first time I've ever heard Starbucks play it, but they were playing Leonard Cohen. And mm. it was it was quite a, a sort of bluesy, dark type music. And I thought, this is my kind of music. And it was uh, <laughs> it was quite intriguing, but I've never heard it. Obviously, somebody, it was it was very quiet. I think I was the only person in. So one of the team probably thought, do you know what? I like this. I'm going to play what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of music do you like then when you're in places like that? Oh, gosh. I enjoy so many types of music. I can tell, maybe I can describe my musical choices throughout the course of my day. So I wake up really early in the morning, Simon. I'm up usually sometime between three and four o'clock in the morning. Really? Wow. Um, I am. (laughs) Yes. I'm, I'm up at that time. And I always listen to classical music. And a lot of people ask me, why do you get up so early? But, but that's when I'm able to, that's when I'm at my best because I know the phone won't ring. 
I know that there won't be any text messages coming through. My computer won't beep with all kinds of alerts and notifications from Slack and, and email and, you know, all the other things that you get notified about throughout the course of your day. So I can really focus on what I need to accomplish for that day. So that's usually when I'm planning out things. And, and I find classical music to be very stimulating, mentally stimulating, um, and it doesn't distract me. Sometimes I also listen to Tibetan bowl music. Mm, okay. Um, or, and, and also Native American flute and drum music. I tell you, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I can understand that because that's music without words. I, I'm one of those people exactly. where if there's a song on and somebody's singing, it's too distracting. I've got a client that has it on full blast in their office all day while they're working. Mm. I thought, How do you work in this? Because I get too distracted and they just completely. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that. Yeah. It, I find that it, it just kind of puts you in a zone and it kind of sets the tone. But then throughout the day, so I would say maybe, um, early, well, we're already talking about early morning, but maybe around nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, I might listen to like some 70s music, um, oh. 70s funk and um, like just old school kind of music, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, like James Brown and Al Green and things like that. Um, but then later in the day, that's when I start really listening to more current things. Um, I have this Billie Eilish fascination right now going on. So I'll, I'll listen to it. And all of this is through YouTube, by the way. I'm just going um, on YouTube and searching yeah. for all of these different playlists. And there are people out there who've put together these wonderful playlists. So I'll listen to um, Billie Eilish. A lot of times Starbucks, speaking of Starbucks, Starbucks actually has different jazz, cafe jazz playlists on okay. YouTube. Oh, I listen okay. to those also. Yeah. I listen to a lot of jazz. That that's probably the one type of music I listen to the most throughout the day. Yeah. Um, but it can it can vary. And if I need to kind of wake myself up, then obviously I'll listen to like hip hop, you know, just something like that's loud and kind of you know energetic. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it just it just changes throughout the day. It's, it's interesting. There's um, I, I'm in a. Uh, a group of coaches uh, with one of my coaches, Taki Moore, who runs this black belt group. And one of his Sherpas, as he calls him, Ed, is, is a really interesting guy. He's a copywriter, Ed Dale. Google him, you'll find out more about him. But uh, he always likes to play K-pop. And he's the most, oh. he's the most different person that you think. K-pop. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. You know, like you mentioned there, Sometimes when you just need a little bit of a lift, you need something which is fun. It's not serious. You haven't got to pay too much attention to it, but it, it's energy lifting, isn't it? And, and that's right. It. Yeah, that's really good. So, yeah, K-pop, some of it's a little bit obscure and doesn't quite fit with some of my values sometimes. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, sometimes it's just good uplifting music. <laughs> so you, you mentioned um, before recording as well that, you drink a lot of soda for 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 your caffeine yes. intake uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Any particular favorites on that? I mean, you, you said you oh, work for organizations like Coca Cola, so I know. Um, oh, and let me tell you, Simon, when you work at Coca Cola, so you know they're headquartered here in Atlanta. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, Coca Cola was started here in Atlanta, Georgia, ah. and. When you when you're there at their headquarters, 
you see all of these vending machines and everything is free. So it did nothing to help my addiction. Okay. I was just, (laughs) just drinking them all throughout the day. Um, So I I really like Coke zero. I like cherry Coke zero. I like Dr. Pepper. I, uh, if, if hopefully no one from Coca-Cola is listening to this, I also do enjoy Pepsi and they're big time rivals, uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, as you know. Um, but I would say probably out of all of them, the one that I would probably consume the most is Coke Zero. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting what you say there about Pepsi, because there's always been a, a challenge, you know, can you taste the difference and all this kind of thing, particularly here in the UK, and I'm sure globally it's been at one of their marketing plants. Mm-hmm. But here in the supermarkets in the UK, you see very little Pepsi now. You see a lot of store own brand, but the biggest mm-hmm. brand that has won by a country mile is Coca-Cola. And, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely definitely just don't see. Yeah, if you go to uh, pubs and restaurants, usually the one that's on tap is less Coca-Cola and is probably more Pepsi. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Now definitely. that's interesting. Yeah. Because um, I noticed, I, I don't drink alcohol, but I've always noticed that it's usually Coca-Cola products that people will mix with alcohol, whether it's like a Sprite or, yep. or Coke, yep. um, like a Jack Daniels and Coke or something like yeah. that. Or yeah. Um, but I've never heard of people mixing Pepsi drinks with mm. alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. But I think if you have it in a bottle, it would definitely be Coke. But if it comes out of one of those squeezy like the tap, tap things, yeah. yeah tends to be Pepsi. Mm, mm, that's really interesting so let's talk about your your business uh and and obviously you've got lots of different things speaking coaching writing lecturing etc tell us a little bit about what you've been working on what's been significant that you've been evolving or developing or fixing in in your own business Sure. Uh, One of the things that I have personally been doing, Simon, over the past three to four years is practicing what I preach. And I I remember being looking at your website and what really struck a chord with me was your decision to become a business coach, having, you know, you having had multiple businesses and the fact that you've worked with business coaches, but you realize not all of them actually had the experience of running their own business, but yet they were giving you advice and coaching you. Well, the same for me. I realized, hmm, I'm teaching all of these other small companies how to scale, but I haven't demonstrated that in my own company. What do I need to do in order to make that happen, to be the change that I'm saying that I can, that I advocate for so, so profusely? So I started focusing on getting my knowledge out of my head and putting it onto paper. And so that's where the book came. I released the book in 2018. So that was really my first attempt, Simon, at trying to figure out how can I spread this message of business infrastructure? So it started with the book. And as I was writing the book, a digital marketing coach (laughs) that I was working with at the time mentioned podcasting. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know. What, what would I even talk about 
you know, how would I structure it? I had no clue what podcasting was was all about. But there I was in June of 2018. And I started my business infrastructure podcast. And we actually are about to celebrate our 200th episode. So it's a weekly show. It fundamentally changed the trajectory of my business. And that is by no means an exaggeration. Um, And as you and I were talking before, before we started the recording, you meet so many fascinating people all over the world. And through those introductions, come new opportunities that otherwise may never have happened were it not for your podcast. Yeah. So the podcast was, was has gone a very long way, again, in helping to spread this message about business infrastructure. And most recently, um, and, and I've been building the team along the way, and most recently what we have started working on is creating an online course. So we first have this audio masterclass on what it means to build business infrastructure. What is it? How do you do it? Why do we need it? When is it needed? Why is it needed? And that audio masterclass is actually going to serve as a launching pad to this future online course that we are hopeful will be complete and ready to go live by the end of this summer in 2022. Right. So that's that's the strategy that we are using to really scale this whole business infrastructure movement so that we can we truly can revolutionize the way that small businesses operate. And you, you and congratulations on yeah, the 200 episodes as well. Thank I mean, that's you. A, that's, a, that's a great milestone and such a, you know, a consistency of the podcast as well, because I think a lot of people start. They do a small series and then they drift off. So uh, yes. congratulations for that. You, you, you mentioned there about what is business infrastructure. And I mm-hmm. think for, for many of the listeners, that's something that perhaps they're asking. They might have a perception of, you know, they've understood what you know, our company's infrastructure uh, might be when we look at things like our highways, where we live, or we think about our local amenities, but we probably don't understand what an infrastructure is within our business. So what could you give a little bit of a, and I don't want to give it all away because obviously we want people to reach out to you and find out more about you and and the book and the course, but what would you give us a little bit of a sneak preview or a little bit of an insight into what business infrastructure is for the listeners? Thank you so much for asking that question. And I'm glad you pointed out the, the comparison to transportation infrastructure because you're right. When so many people hear that word infrastructure, they almost always think about transportation. So yeah. highways and roads and train, th- these different modes of transportation. Well, when you think about transportation infrastructure and how you have these multiple modes of, of transport and how they're all connected so that people and goods can move about as seamlessly as possible, The same is true with business infrastructure, but in this instance, we're talking about the people, the processes, and the tools and technologies that make up your company's day-to-day operations. How do we link all of those things together so that information and work can flow as seamlessly as possible? 
Yeah, once those elements come together, you're then in a position to understand how a change in one area can impact other parts, other elements of your business infrastructure and vice versa. So that's that's in a nutshell what business infrastructure is. It's simply just a system for linking your people, your processes and your tools and technologies so that you can re- create a repeatable foundation that can then be scaled upon as you continue to take your business to the next level. Yeah. And again, going to dive a bit deeper into this because sure. the, the listeners that are looking to scale and are looking to take their business to the next level, I think that is enough of a reason why to do it that, you know, that they can take away. And certainly for me, yeah, that was one of my reasons for having the infrastructure in the construction business. And as a very small business in a lot of industries that were much, much larger in their competition than what I was, it put me into those 5% top levels mm. against giants of companies because of that infrastructure that we had. So I, I can understand, but for people that perhaps haven't even thought about scaling or taking their business to the next level, that are probably thinking, so what's that got to do with me? Why should I care about infrastructure? What would you say to those people who perhaps haven't taken that step towards the next level yet? That's that's a very fair mindset to have, especially if you're just starting out. Mm. And that's why, honestly, we don't, we don't market our services to startups. Because when you're first starting a business, it's all about trying to attract more customers and more clients. Yeah. So you spend... You tend to spend quite a bit of your time and other resources on branding and marketing, sales, business development, all those social media, all of those kinds of things. However, Simon, my argument always is, what happens when you have that one viral moment? I always tell my clients, you're just one viral moment away from catastrophe. And what I mean by that is, when you invest that kind of time, money, effort, energy, and other resources into attracting people to your business, do you now have the operational or business infrastructure to support or supply that demand? Yeah. So let's say, for example, if one of your clients gets onto a local television show and all of a sudden, all of this traffic is being funneled to that customer's or that client, your client's website. Will that website crash? If, if these customers who visit the website actually place orders, will they be able to fulfill all of those, all of those orders on time yeah. with a consistent quality? This is what we mean by fast growth. And that's why those are the types of businesses that we tend to target because you're absolutely right. Otherwise, this message about having processes and documentation systems, it, it, falls, it falls on deaf ears when, when it comes to businesses that aren't necessarily experiencing that type of fast and chaotic growth. Yeah, sure. But if you have, I'm going to say the blessing, if you are ever fortunate enough to be in that position, you will understand very quickly why the things that Simon and I are talking about right now are so important and why they matter. Because as your business grows and as that demand for your products and services continues to escalate, if you don't have the ability to meet that demand, your business can still fail. Not because you don't have enough customers, but because you have too many. 
and you don't have the business infrastructure to support that fast growth. Yeah. And the attrition rate of those customers. Oh my gosh. When you watch them exit yes. and you know they don't come back and buy from you. I think Joey Coleman talks in his book, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again, about that vital decision. And I think mm. you've hit that really, really well. But people need to believe, even in that sales process that people cling on to so tightly, they need to believe that you can deliver what you've promised. How many That's times right. of all of us, everybody listening to this, purchase something and then we've been disappointed by the product, by the That's service, right. by the customer service. Uh, and yeah, we never go back again, do we? We leave quickly. That's we, right. We spread the word quickly and we never return. Oh my gosh, you just so important. you said something so key um, about being able to deliver on the promise because that's that's whenever people ask me, you know, why is operations so important? And I I always try to compare it to marketing because so many of us, I mean, obviously we all understand the benefits of marketing. We we absolutely have to have it. There's no question about that. But when it comes to operations, people are like, eh, yeah, that's you know, maybe. But or, or, you know, no, we don't need that. Marketing is about the promise that you make to your customers. Operations is about your ability to deliver on that promise. I had a um, I had a client years ago in Canada and (laughs) she was expressing her frustration in working with the sales team. And she said, you know, the sales team, they sell the dream, but we in operations deal with the nightmare. Um, (laughs) What a statement to make. (laughs) They sell the dream and we deal with the nightmares. (laughs) So another thing that business infrastructure does is it gives you a level of transparency that may not exist. It breaks down silos. It discourages segmentation because you're focusing on, okay, if I make a change here in, in, on the marketing side, what impact will that have on the operations side? What impact will that have with our people resources? So if marketing decides to execute a new campaign, let's say, I don't know, a a new uh, Facebook ad campaign. Well, what if that campaign is actually really successful? Do we have the people to, to be able to provide the customer support that might be required? Do we have all of the parts that we need to produce whatever it is that we're selling on the operations side? Do we have the technology to support this? You know, is our website up to par? Can it handle that type of volume? That's what I mean by seeing the interconnectedness of everything that you're doing in the business. And I should point out, one area is not more important than the other. They're all equally important. So some people like to elevate certain parts of the business over others, but the truth is they're all interconnected and one is not more important than the other. And that's that's a great insight. And that's quite a good mission, isn't it? Selling the dream, working with the nightmare. That's, that's, <laughs> that's definitely going down on my post-it note. So tell, tell us a little bit about what difference all of this has made to to you and to your business you know you say obviously you, you've taken our team build, building your team um what what difference does this make to you uh, in in building your own infrastructure and walking the walk as you said and we thank you for reading my uh bio on the website as well um but 
also, what kind of difference does this make to clients? Give us some examples, perhaps, of, of the, the difference it can make. Number one, transparency. Mm. When people cannot, and, and here's, I, I think this is worth pointing out, Simon. My team is fully remote. Yep. We don't have the luxury because we're spread out all over the world. We don't have the luxury of being able to get together in person. So we absolutely have to be transparent. When I first started building my team, I was using, there were processes, but they were hidden in things like Dropbox or yeah. Google Drive. They, they were just, just a bunch of files. Once we started using Notion, so one of the, the people on my team, he suggested this tool called Notion. I don't know if you're familiar with Notion. Yeah, no, I've come across. Oh that. my gosh, we'll have to talk about that, um, yeah, Simon. Okay. <laughs> that could be an entire. That could be a completely different episode. Um, but but I'll just say this: Notion is like a wiki or a knowledge base for your company. Very inexpensive. When you consider the value that you get out of this tool, the the investment is minimal. Um, but it's, it makes all of these files that you have, all of these links to videos or articles, it makes everything visual. And by people being able to actually see, not just see a link to a website, but to actually see a thumbnail image of that website is very powerful. We also have our CRM built directly into Notion. We have all of our, we have links to all of our videos. And again, these aren't just links. These are actual thumbnail images of videos. That level of, so now not only do we have the transparency, transparency but we also have the visibility. Yeah. And that, that just didn't exist before we started using Notion. So I would say those, that tool alone serves as our operating system, if you will. Everything we do goes into Notion in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Great. For my clients, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm very big on visibility, so therefore I use a lot of visual aids. And I don't have, I might have one here in my drawer here. I'm going to just quickly, no, I don't. Um, I don't want to get up from my, my desk here, but I normally would show, I would have been able to show you these stick figures that I use. Okay. So when I'm working but, with my- but Bear in mind, there's no video here on this. So describe right, what right, they right. would Okay, like. sure, give sure, a, give sure. Give us a description of what they would Okay, sure, sure. So one of the first things that I do when I'm working with a client and we're trying to figure out what does that basic level of organization look like in your company? So it starts with this very rigorous brainstorming exercise, Simon, where we're figuring out all of the activities to perform in your company, no matter how mundane or how complex. We're getting everything out of people's heads and literally onto paper. So you know those very large sticky notes, uh, post-it notes, if you will, the, the yeah. kind that you would put on a wall or on a, an easel pad, yeah. that, that's what we work with. Everyone is in the room. So you as the business owner, whoever else is on your team, it's always better if you can do this in person, but yes, it certainly can be done remotely, but you get together at the same time and you're starting to brainstorm all of these different tasks and activities that are performed. 
my team and I, we then take those tasks that you've that you've provided and we transfer those onto individual index cards. And by the time we all get together again, we're in a a room that has a very large table and we spread out those index cards with all of those tasks and activities. And then I encourage the clients that I'm working with to group similar tasks together into columns. No more than nine columns, okay? Those columns, those grouped columns of tasks eventually become departments. So I'll then put another blank index card above each column. Usually it's a different color index card. Let's say yellow, for example. And I may, if you, if we were doing this exercise together, Simon, I may ask you, well, Simon, for this first column of information that you have here on the table, if you had to associate these tasks with a department, what would the name of that department be? And you might say, oh, well, this is our, this is our finance department. All of these things have to do with finance. Okay. That's the name of the department. And you just kind of repeat that until you go through all of the columns. But then the next exercise, this is where the stick figures come into play. We would look at each column, each department of, and, and its associated tasks in isolation of the others. And I'll then ask you, Simon, in a perfect world, if you had access to all of the resources you needed, who ideally should perform each of these tasks? And that's the name of the role that you would write on these different stick figures. What happens with us when we are small business owners, we all know, especially when we're starting out, we do many things. But it doesn't, (laughs) we probably should not be doing many of those things. I have another saying, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. So again, (laughs) start. So the idea is to start thinking okay, I I do this right now, but maybe I need a bookkeeper to do this for me or an office manager or a general manager, or maybe a salesperson should ideally be doing this and not necessarily me or whomever else may be in that role performing that task. You write the names, so everything is color-coded, and please let me know if I'm getting too much in, no, no, into no, too no, much no, detail. I'm with you. No, no, okay. I'm, don't worry. Keep going. So as you start to write the name of the, the position or the role, and not the name of a person, but the, the that person's role, yeah. any any position that is currently filled, you write that in black across that stick figure. Okay. Anything that you recognize you want to outsource, you would write that in blue. And any position or role that is vacant you would write it in red. So now you have a very visual way of seeing where the gaps are in terms of yeah. your building your team. And the positions that are filled, you're not putting the names of the people that have those positions. Right. You're only gotcha. putting the name of the role. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this, believe it or not, is the foundation for building all of the elements of your business infrastructure. So the very, the very first output from this exercise, Simon, is you now have that ability to go and write these very descriptive, succinct job descriptions, because you've already gone through the painstaking task of figuring out everything that that particular role has to perform within your company. 
And then once you, so at this point, you know, all of the tasks, yep. those tasks are grouped into departments. You know, the roles that perform those tasks, you have your job descriptions. Now you can create an organizational chart. Yeah. You can also create, you, you also have but an idea. But for most, mm -hmm. sorry, because for most and with people listening to this, that is where most people start, not where they yes. end up, isn't it? So let's That's create so an organizational true. chart of what we think the business should look like. Mm -hmm. And then they put names on, not necessarily roles, don't they? And yep. So I can see <laughs> where you're exactly going with this. This, what is, they do. this is completely, you know, there's some people listening to this that their minds are just getting screwed at the moment because they're thinking, this is, the, <laughs> this is upside down. This is the complete opposite way to what I've done this in the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, again, you, you'll start to recognize, hopefully, as those who are listening will start to understand and appreciate why you go through the rigor from the very beginning to identify those activities and, and the departments and the people who perform those, those activities. Because then, again, you can create your organizational chart. There's no more guessing. Yeah. You already know now what these departments are. So you, so you put those departments onto that sheet of paper, or, or if you're doing this electronically, you, you, you now have that basic understanding of what the departments are and you know the roles. Yeah. And, and you are able to show that same color coding so that you can visually see, okay, everything that's in red, that means that's, that's a vacant position. What is the order in which we're going to fill those positions? Mm. That's the conversation that you're now able to have. And of course, yeah. that a lot of there's so many factors that goes into that prioritization. I, I think some of the people listening to this will feel that the the fog is clearing or the scales are falling off their eyes when they think, <laughs> ah, this is making so much sense. Oh, that's good to hear. You yeah, know, that's yeah. really good to hear. Um, so, but it gets even better, Simon. Mm, and I'll, I'll, I'll quickly, I'll quickly go yeah, through yeah. this because I know we're, we're probably running out of time, but, um, but now that you know those departments, you can also use those departments to understand how to best lay out your workspace. Even if you are working from home, I worked for home for, I worked from home, excuse me, for years but I would have these different zones within my, my, my space. Yeah. So in one corner, I might have all of my sales and marketing information. And another corner of the room, that was where all of the accounting and finance related information was. Another corner, I had all the HR, you know, human resources related information. Yeah. So you can still, even though you might be in a very small space, start thinking big. Yeah. And the way to do that is to, there's, it removes all the second guessing. Again, you already know the departments. But, but finally, the, the other thing I want to point out is the, is the process piece. Go back to those, those tasks and those departments that you've spread out across the table because those tasks can be further grouped together to identify the processes that you actually have to document. So again, instead of just sitting down at, you know, and, and you and your team are getting together and you're starting to think, okay, what are the different things we have to document? And you're just trying to go off of memory. And, but and you a blank already, sheet of paper, they become paralyzed, don't they? That's by, right. By, by it's by it's completely, paper, yeah. it's completely paralyzing. Yeah. Wow. And what you'll end up with is this inventory of all of these processes that you know, that you now know have to be documented. Mm. That is your business infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
normally one of my questions is if you could give the listeners one tip or one lesson I think actually what you've given us there and listeners I hope you appreciate this because that has been so much value just given unconditionally to you here in this podcast because that is a business infrastructure masterclass right there you know and it, because it's in a podcast you can actually stop pause it listen to it do it that's right you've got everything all the ingredients right there in front of you so thank you so much for sharing that and uh, oh, i know for welcome. some people that is going to really be an epiphany moment of of where to go next and how to get rid of that paralysis of that blank sheet and where do i start now, that's always a question isn't it where do i start where do i start you've given us that right there and now i can see why you've written a book so that's great <laughs> so Tell us, before we come to the, the, the final question, and tell us a little bit about how we can uh, get hold of a copy of your book, where the course is going to be. Yeah, obviously, we're getting a little bit of a heads up that that's coming at the end of summer. Tell us a little bit how, how you want people to connect and reach out to you. Sure. So the best way to connect with me is on my personal website, which is aliciabutlerpierre.com. And when you go there, it's a hub for everything else. So if you want to know more about the book, you can click there. The book is available on Amazon. It's called Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. You can also see the podcast. And I want to mention really quickly, if I may, Simon, mm, we actually have an audio masterclass. So if what you've heard Simon and I talk about just like over the past 15 to 20 minutes, if it intrigues you, you want to know a little bit more about this thing called business infrastructure, how you can put it into place, go take a listen to the business infrastructure podcast and specifically look for those masterclass episodes because we tell you step by step in even more detail than I could go into today exactly how to do it. And it's free. So what's the harm in that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And if you want to connect on social, you can also see my social media links there um, as well on my personal website. And just for for the benefit of the listeners, anybody who's writing this down as they're listening to it, just spell your name out there and and how they can find it. Absolutely. My first name is spelled A-L-I-C-I-A. Two last names, Butler, B-U-T-L-E-R, and then Pierre, which is P-I-E-R-R-E dot com. Now, I've noticed because some people think, it, oh, it's a hyphenated last right. name. It's, right. It's two last names. There's, there's mm-hmm. no hyphen in there, is there? Right. No hyphen. No hyphen. Mm-hmm. No. Great. <laughs> so let me come to the, the, the final question then. Uh, if you were to have your next dreamy hot chocolate okay with somebody that you absolutely would like to sit down and spend 30 minutes with whilst you're drinking that hot chocolate Mm. who would that person be and why oh wow one of the first people that comes to mind is sarah blakely Ah, sarah is um For those who may not be familiar with her, she invented this wonderful product (laughs) called Spanx, and she's here in Atlanta. Um, I met Sarah when I first moved here. She spoke at a conference, and this was before the rest of the world knew who she was. Um, And so it's been so amazing to see her growth, and she's now a billionaire. 
Yeah. Um, so I would love to be able to sit down. Um, and that is within the realm of possibility because we, we live here in the same city. So, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So we'll, we'll make sure we hashtag her into this. And who knows, <laughs> you might get that request. It's interesting because I know uh, she was a guest on a Tony Robbins and Dean Graziozzi uh, program oh. that I was on a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and it was beginning of the COVID. And they did this special sort of, uh, I can't even think what it was now, but special program. And I signed up for the VIP. That's so I got to ask some questions of Tony and Dean. Mm. And, and she was one of the guest speakers. And she was so inspiring in how she mm-hmm. told the story and what she spoke about. And her whole take on this particular course was the fact that she had tried and failed and kept trying and trying and trying so more that's right until she got it right and it was I think it was her dad as well that inspired you know he said you know to be successful I just want to know how many times you failed today Mm. it was that kind of thing and it was uh, yes a great inspiration and a lot of people were asking a lot of questions of her uh during during that course as well so yeah yeah well and she's very friendly. That's that's the other beautiful thing about her. She's very friendly and very down to earth. Yeah, and she might like hot chocolate. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to ask. <laughs> so, thank you for being such a great guest and and for giving us such an unconditional amount of value in that masterclass. Uh, but also, I think for sharing your own story of you know, I'm always a big fan of people that have been up the mountain come back down safely of themselves and show other people how to do that and it's great mm. to have a guest such as yourself that uh, you know is on a quest but on a quest because they've been there and done it and now they want to help other people do the same and I think that's very admirable and uh, yeah thank thank you very very much and of course listeners check out the podcast check out the website, get a copy of the book, uh, Behind the Facade. Was that the name yes, of the book? Yes, that's right. Get that out. Uh, and most importantly, the Business Infrastructure Podcast. Yeah, as anybody who has a podcast, I certainly recommend that you check that out and, uh, and give it a review as well as giving us a review as well. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Simon, thank you. Thank you so much. And listeners, as you know, this is part of my mission to help you be more aware, better educated, and held accountable. I think today our focus is education. You have had such a heap of education and it would be really, I think, disrespectful not to go and check out all the other stuff that Alicia has got here because, you know, the that, that masterclass content in a podcast I know is going to be of value. So reach out and get more education uh, from Alicia. And that would be great if you would do that. And that would be a good, uh, respectful thing to thank her for her time. Uh, And of course, not only leave her review of her podcast, but leave us a review of this podcast as well. And I look forward to having you all on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.